0: morning everyone. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the coming of Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you that he bore on our back our sins and the sins of the world and took them away from us and gave us his righteousness, your righteousness, in its place. We pray you would open our minds to understand your word, to drink deeply of your word, Lord, to um, take in truths at a deeper level than we've ever been able to do so before, and that that would give us greater joy as we contemplate all you've done for us. We thank you for each other. We thank you for saving us from our various sins and ways and walks of life previous to knowing you. We ask a blessing on this word. And uh, again, we ask for the enlightenment of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have great joy this morning as we think about that inexpressible gift. Uh, Why do we keep trying to express this inexpressible gift? Um, it's called unspeakable, inexpressible, indescribable, a gift too wonderful for words. And that gift is Jesus Christ himself, born on Christmas morning. I uh, wonder what was the best Christmas gift any of you ever received under the tree. For me, it was, I think I was about 10 years old, and it was a bow and arrow set. It was a recurve bow, it was green, and arrows, and a quiver, and you know, to a, to a 10-year-old boy, there is nothing better in this world than a real live weapon. <laughs> we were up at the cabin, my entire family, my son, and three sons-in-law, and all their kids, and... The boys, the little boys, were all tearing around the woods and through the cabin and upstairs and back down. And and the bigger boys all had uh, weapons that they'd fashioned uh, out of sticks and various things. And Forrest, uh, Brian and Esther's little boy, he was about three, and uh, I think it was Jason and, and And Stuart and Brian and I were downstairs in the basement, and Forrest was just trying to keep up with the other boys. And uh, at one point, he burst into the room where we were, the the shop where all the tools are, and he was sweaty and he was out of breath, and he said to his dad, Dad, can you help me? I need something big and sharp. (laughs) And we all just cracked up. But uh, as we get older, uh, the luster of material goods um, gives way, kind of fades away, and we realize that it's the people, our relationships, our relationship with the Lord that matter most of all, isn't it? As believers, we understand that what James one seventeen says is true that uh, every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change yet the scriptures tell us that there is a gift among gifts a gift so special that it's unspeakable, it's inexpressible, it's too marvelous for words and um, You know, when you think about the Lord and the names in Scripture of the Lord, they're just so beautiful. The bright and morning star, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and so on. But there's an expression that comes from the prophet Jeremiah who described the Lord this way. He said, the Lord, my righteousness. The Lord, my righteousness the wisest and richest man in Bible times was Solomon. And he fully explored every good gift uh, that this world has to offer. Do you remember? He explored wisdom. He explored riches. He explored pleasure. He explored uh, building, buildings after building after building. He explored labor. And his conclusion was that without God... Involved in a life without the Lord of Righteousness at the center of it all, life is what? Futile. It's vanity. It's meaningless. And so we have this quote in front of you from a preacher named Tony Evans who, who says this, that God will allow meaninglessness in the life of a man or a woman, boy or girl, who does things without him, God, being connected to the life. C.S. Lewis says it differently in his famous quote where he says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Isaiah, in chapter 1, verse 14, said it this way, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will become like a fine wool. No, we got to open up. We've got to embrace this inexpressible gift, don't we? To have meaning, to have joy in our lives. The Lord, our righteousness. You see, the Lord, His righteousness is the basis for everything in the Christian life. We see here some that righteousness is spoken of about God himself. Jesus addressed him in prayer, O Righteous Father, in John 17, the high priestly prayer. It said of believers, In righteousness you shall be established. It's characteristic of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What I want you to notice here is that righteousness precedes peace and joy. That right standing with God. When you have peace with God, that uh, joy and and, uh, peace can come. Concerning guidance, he guides me in the paths of righteousness. Concerning healing, For you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healings in his wing. Concerning material provision, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then the new heavens and the new earth are depicted as the home of righteousness. With this in mind, let's unwrap This beautiful gift this morning, the Lord of Righteousness. I'm leaning heavily this morning on some work by Clay Sterrett. You guys remember Clay, I think, most of you. Uh, In his book, Essential Elements, he writes this Righteousness is simply rightness, being made right with God, the way we are supposed to be. The righteous person is pleasing. Favorable and acceptable to God. Righteousness primarily concerns our standing before God. It means being in a state that is required by God that answers all His demands. If we are righteous, we are right in our relationship with God. He says, Righteousness is the foundation for all we enjoy as we study the promises of God for the believer. Righteousness is a word that keeps popping up. It's like a boulder in the middle of an intersection that we bump into no matter what direction we are headed. Let's unwrap this gift of the Lord, our righteousness. I want to mention five things. Uh, The first is this, that God alone is righteous. Listen to Isaiah 45:18 through 21 For thus says the Lord who created the heavens I am the Lord and there is none else I the Lord speak righteousness declaring things that are upright Gather yourselves and come set forth your case who has announced it from of old who has long since declared it is it not I the Lord there is no other god besides me A righteous God and Savior, there is none except me. The Lord's righteousness is throughout Scripture. Look at these verses. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Righteous and upright is he. God is a righteous judge. He loves righteousness. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord. But before we know Christ, before we receive him, the story is very different for us, isn't it? For us, this is what the Bible says, for there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who does good, not even one. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're described, look at these descriptors, helpless, ungodly, sinners, God's enemies, hostile to God, and under the wrath of God. Not a very pretty picture for us. But thank God we come to point number two we see that he determined before the foundation of the world to bring his righteousness to those who would believe in him. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and read verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Again, quoting Clay here, we read, if any person will follow Christ, one of his first discoveries must be that he can only be righteous, that is, rightly related to God, as an act of God. It cannot come from ourselves. And then he quotes the scripture, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. He says Martin Luther had already been diligently serving as a Catholic priest for a dozen years when one day he began to meditate on this verse. He later recalled the life-changing event. That expression, the righteousness of God, was like a thunderbolt in my heart. We know the rest of the story. This man became the spark plug of the Protestant Reformation with a renewed emphasis on justification by faith. God did what no man could do. He sent his only son into this world in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin and bore on his back your sins and my sins and took them from us, giving his righteousness to us. In sin's place. So we've seen that only God is righteous so far, but that the good news is God chose us before the foundation of the world to share his righteousness. Here's a a third point we see that his righteousness is a free gift offered and won through the substitutionary death of his son, Jesus Christ. Again, from Ephesians, but this time chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 and following. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And what are the next two words, you guys? But God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. There's a very clear verse that goes with this from Romans 5 verse 17 Just as by the transgression of the one man Adam death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ This is the the heart of the gospel in my mind, that his righteousness is exchanged for our filthy rags. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said it perhaps better than anyone very succinctly in Philippians 3, in verses 8 and 9. He says, more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord. Point four is when we receive the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ, several wonderful things happen. The first is that righteousness is imputed to us. That word you actually can find in the scriptures, it's not just a theological term, it means declared, that we are declared in good standing by a higher authority. It indicates inclusion, location, or position. So think of it this way. An easy example is any baby born in America is declared what? An American and has all the rights and privileges of being an American, free speech, presumption of innocence until proven guilty, and so on. This person is in good standing with the United States government this person has peace with the United States government until something happens that's illegal likewise when we trust in Christ's righteousness rather than our own we are declared righteous by God in good standing in right relationship with him and we're included in his kingdom isn't this a beautiful verse Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Some other verses, we enter a new realm, a new location, which is the kingdom of God. And we have a new reality, which is the righteousness of God in us. So he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And then that new reality, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that we have that imputed, that declared state of being in right relationship with God when we accept Jesus Christ. But there's another feature of this righteousness, and that's what's called imparted righteousness. It means to pass on, to transmit or bestow his own righteousness upon us through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Peter put it this way he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises that by them we might become what does that say it with me partakers of the divine nature isn't that an amazing amazing thing that we partake of god's nature through this imparted righteousness We're not just declared righteous, but it is placed within us. Um, Tozer has a quote. When God declares a man righteous, he instantly sets about to make him righteous. Our error today is that we do not expect a converted man to be a transformed man. And as a result of this error, our churches are full of substandard Christians. And I'm sure you remember... Uh, the verse, Second Corinthians 3.18, that says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a, in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Hallelujah. A third blessing of the Lord's righteousness in us is not that it's only uh, imputed not that it's only imparted but also that it impels us from within you see the definition there of impels means to urge or to drive forward uh... incite or propel to action the scriptures say we become slaves of righteousness rather than slaves of sin it says that we become zealous for good deeds. It says that we are promised robes of righteousness, which are described in Revelation as the righteous deeds of the saints. Isn't that beautiful? Imputed, imparted, this righteousness impelling us from within. Um... Titus 2:14 says he gave himself for us that he might purify for himself a people for his own possession zealous for good deeds. So to help this stick in our minds I thought of a three-legged stool. Not that our righteous those facets of righteousness from God are supporting are supporting the stool, but rather the righteousness of God is emanating down to us through the cross, these three different legs. God's declared righteousness, his imparted righteousness, and his impelled righteousness, our deeds coming from the love of Christ within us. The last point is that This gift of righteousness from the Lord is sadly rejected by many people. Some can't see this gift of gifts because the God of this world has placed blinders on their eyes. The scripture I'm thinking of says, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Others see it, but are filled with pride and in futility insist on their own supposed righteousness, earn them a spot in God's heaven. Romans 11.3, For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves or surrender themselves to the righteousness of God. And then third, still others embrace God's way of salvation for a time, but then are seduced by the things of this world and walk away from the faith. Luke 8, 13. And those on the rocky soil are those who hear. When they hear, they receive the word with joy, but have no firm root in themselves. They believe for a while, but in time of temptation, they fall away. But we here at TCF, we have embraced and continue to treasure this greatest of all gifts, don't we? The Lord, our righteousness. I want to say to you, like the writer of the book of Hebrews, dear friends, even though we are talking this way about those who fall away, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. God is at work in you. God is at work in me, both to will and to do his good pleasure. I say, let us be those who put no confidence in the flesh. Amen? Let us be those who know and we're secure in whom we have believed. We're those who are zealous For good deeds, let it be, Lord. And we are those who give him, the Lord of righteousness, all the glory and all the praise for anything that we are. We bless his name forever and ever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the joy, unspeakable, inexpressible, too marvelous for words. And as we've lifted out this morning just one facet of that unspeakable gift, your righteousness, we pray that we would see more clearly than ever before that we must walk in that righteousness alone. Not in our own supposed uh, accomplishments or righteousness or Status or standing in this world, we throw ourselves upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And like Paul, we say, We want to be found not in our own righteousness, but trusting in the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ by faith. We thank you, Father. I pray for anyone here who maybe has seen for the first time this need to exchange their own filthy rags for your righteousness, that, Lord, today would be the day, today would be the day of salvation, that that person would surrender to you. Father, we thank you that you have drawn us to yourself and you've shown us this truth in the past. We thank you for showing it us again this morning We pray for a marvelous Christmas season for every person here where we drink deeply of the grace of God given to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the righteousness that he gave to us, his own righteousness in place of our ugly sin. We just praise you and thank you so much, Lord. Help us to walk and to be established in the way of, of righteousness. It's in Christ's name we pray and let us all say together, Amen. Hallelujah.